Public policy coverage in North Carolina is supported by Electricities of North Carolina, the service organization that supports municipally owned electric utilities, also known as public power providers across the state. These locally owned, locally operated public enterprises provide significant value to their customers and communities. To learn more about Electric Cities, visit electriccities.com. For the News and Observer and the NC Insider, I'm Dawn Vaughn, your host for Under the Dome for the week of Monday, October 24th, 2022. We are just two weeks and a day away from Election Day in North Carolina. I'm here today with my colleague, Avi Bajpai in Raleigh, and from Charlotte, our Observer colleague, Will Wright. We've got lots to talk about, so let's get rolling. Uh, Will, your work might be new to some listeners. And again, this is Will Wright, not Will Doran. We have two Will uh, politics reporters here um, on our um, our team between the two papers. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at the Charlotte Observer. Yeah, thanks, Don. I came to the Observer in the summer of 2021 to write about basically all things politics. So that's from anything from city council in Charlotte to the U.S. Senate race right now. And so with the elections coming up, I focus a lot on the U.S. Senate race and also the state legislative races in the Charlotte area. OK, great. So we're glad to have your your insight on the uh, the other end of the state and not just uh, here in here in Capital City. So as we record this on Friday, the um, first round of early voting information is in. So let me get that out. Uh, Chris Cooper, our oft quoted uh, politics professor, uh, that we use in a lot of a lot of our work has a, a tweet thread today about the first day of in-person early voting, also known as one-stop voting. So there have been 135,391 ballots accepted and reported, and that's compared to 136,454 on day one in 2018, which was the last midterm election. Those numbers are pretty close, so not a not a whole lot of changes there. And about 51,000 mail ballots were accepted through yesterday. And just looking at the overall historical trends of who likes to early vote, uh, the so far the one stop has been 39% Democrats, 33% Republicans, 28% unaffiliated. And then by mail, almost half Democrats, 17% Republicans, 24% unaffiliated. So Will and Avi, where do you see what I mean, this is a very early indicator of turnout, but as far as what the different candidates and parties might need with um, with what we're seeing so far, Avi, uh, tell me what your thoughts are. Yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. Um, you know, you mentioned that there's an equal amount, pretty equal amount of uh, ballots reported on the first day this year compared to 2018. The first thing I think of is there are some other uh, big elections, some other big races around the country. Um, and the first thing I think of is Georgia. Um, and Georgia has been, Georgians have been sort of smashing the record in their state for um, for early voting, just the first four or five days of early voting there. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting to see this, but, you know, I think it's probably going to tick up the sort of, you know, further along we get. So um, I probably wouldn't want to read too much into this on the first day, but it's uh, it's pretty interesting. Georgia has like just national attention races this year. It, it's a little quieter here. Usually North Carolina is pretty lively politically, but not compared to Georgia this round. Um, Will, what do you think about that? Just how we are uh, in general, you know, especially looking at, at interest in the U.S. Senate race here versus Georgia and how that might impact turnout. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how it all plays out because, you know, in 2018, that was the middle of the Trump administration. And, um, you know, I think the turnout was turnout was high in 2018 compared to previous years on non-presidential elections. Uh, so if we can match 2018, I think that would be um, indicative of that people are still really engaged in politics after the Trump administration. Um, not to put everything on that, but I think that, you know, that probably played a, a role in 2018. and. It seems like it's still lingering if that's the case. So we're still early on early voting. And uh, by the time we um, talk to listeners again a week from now, you know, we'll, we'll probably see a little more indicators of how things are going. Um, Will, going back to, to Charlotte, what are what are the big races in your end of the state that, that people are concerned about? And and how will that turn out impact, you know, certain candidates more than others? Yeah, so like everywhere else in the state, the Bud Beasley race is probably going to be the biggest, the biggest draw. Uh, but there are some state legislator, legislative seats that are that are interesting in the Charlotte area, including in Matthews, Northern Mecklenburg, and Concord, that are actually pretty tight. Um, so I'll be curious to see how many people come out there compared to elsewhere in the county, where um, you know one party is heavily favored. And then on the congressional side, we've got Alma Adams up for re-election. She's in a very safe district. Um, her Republican competitor, Tyler Lee, would have to pull off uh, something spectacular to to beat her. And then in the other district, it's a new district between you know half of Mecklenburg County and roughly half of Gaston County. That's between State Senator Jeff Jackson and Pat Harrigan, who's a first-time candidate and owns a gun manufacturing business. So that district leans. Democratic for sure, but um, it's close. It's certainly closer than Adams District. So, you know, if I'm if I'm Jeff Jackson, I might be a little worried that uh, you know Pat Harrigan really gets Republicans out there. He has a chance, but it's definitely an uphill battle for Her- for Harrigan. But he's told me that he thinks it's closer than what people are giving it credit for. Credit for. Do you think this is Jeff Jackson's like turn finally? Obviously, he wanted to run for federal office uh, for a while. And it, do you think this will be what uh, what gets him there? He's definitely the favorite. So, yeah, I, I think that there's a very good chance Jeff Jackson will uh, will head to Washington. Um, like you said, that he you know, he dropped out of the U.S. Senate race. And uh, this is obviously a goal of his to move up the ladder um, in terms of uh, going from Raleigh to Washington. So. He's got a very good shot of it in November. Who else in the Mecklenburg delegation? Are, are there some like that are that are unopposed or in safe districts anyway, and it's not as big a deal for them? I know it's not exactly Mecklenburg, but, you know, Speaker Moore, you know, Kings Mountain, he's running unopposed. He'll be Speaker again. Or are there other cases like that where there, it's just a given that they'll be returning? Yeah, there are. I mean, you know, in Mecklenburg and outside, there are, um, I mean, there's maybe four districts that are, that are competitive, I would say, that are really competitive. The rest of them are uh, lean one way or the other. Usually in Mecklenburg County, that would mean they lean Democratic. Um, as soon as you get outside of Mecklenburg County, they tend to lean Republican. So um, there's really only a handful of districts in the Charlotte area that are competitive, but um, you know, every seat counts this election for the state legislature. Right. And so a lot of those races have gotten somewhat contentious, at least in some of their mailers and some of the tight General Assembly races in the rest of the the rest of the state. There's the Valerie Jordan, Bobby Hannig, which is 10 counties and goes from Warren County all the way to to Currituck, which is is Hannig's. And Hannig, people remember, was a 
um, state house representative and then was appointed to, to finish the rest of the Senate district term of where he's running. Um, and that one has gotten a lot of attention because of Valerie Jordan's residency being challenged. And now on the other side, a different member of the she, Jordan's a Democrat and the Board of Elections said, that's fine. She can continue to run. And then just this past week, E.C. Sykes and and Northern Wake County has had his residency challenge. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. And Sykes is one where I've seen a lot of TV ads and mailers with uh, Mary Willis Bode or Bodie is the um, the Democratic opponent. Some of the other um, we've got a few other big races. Sydney Batch is, is a big one, too. And Avi, you've been looking into some of these mailers, which, you know, we're at the, at the time here just a few weeks out that it's mailers every day. I just got I live in Raleigh and I just got some local uh, campaign mailers yesterday. I was like, oh, that's right. There's local elections, too, other than the tsunami of Ted Budd mailers that I get and some Beasley and then the the uh, legislative races. So what are some of the things that we're seeing on these mailers that are true, not true? And what do you think people should know about it? Yeah, uh, we've been getting a lot of mailers. Like you said, I've personally been getting a lot of Bo Hines mailers. I live uh, sort of uh, close to Southern Wake County. Um, you know, both parties and PACs affiliated with them, they've been pouring millions of dollars into the Senate race between Beasley and Bud that Will was talking about, but also some important House races. So I would expect them to continue investing as many resources as possible in these final days of campaigning. Uh, you know, the ads and mailers we've been fact checking are in competitive races for both Congress and the state legislature. We had a series of mailers attacking some candidates for state house on the Democratic side on the issue of police funding. We had some mailers um, out in Alamance County. There's the race between uh, Ricky Hurtado and Steve Ross. And there was um, a mailer going around sort of showing Hurtado wearing a T-shirt that said defund the police. Um, the catch with that was, of course, that that's not a that wasn't a real image. It was it was an edited it was an edited or altered image. Um, we're going to take a quick break and then talk more about this. We'll be back with with more from Avia about these ads and then also our picks for headliner of the week. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. You're listening to Under the Dome. I'm News and Observer Politics reporter Don Vaughn here with Avi Bajpai and Charlotte Observe reporter Will Wright. Um, Avi, before the break, you were talking about the the latest in these ad uh, mailers and the fact checks there. So if you can um, pick us back up about it was a Hurtado mailer was one of the ones you were looking at. Right? Yeah, that was that was the mailer. Like I was mentioning, was attacking Hurtado on this issue of police funding. It's obviously been a controversial issue in state politics, national politics since 2020. Um, so we did a fact check on that mailer. Um, but there was there were also a series of ads, TV ads, a lot of money, uh, sort of. Uh, poured into those ads in the 13th congressional district race. This is the most competitive race for Congress on the ballot this fall. It's uh, sort of in the outskirts of the triangle. It's got a sort of sliver of Wake County, uh, Wayne County, Harnett County, and then all of Johnston County. And this is the race between Wiley Nickel and Bo Hines. And uh, you can take a look at our fact checks for these ads. These were 
Um, a couple of fads that were attacking Wiley Nickel. He's the Democratic candidate. Um, he's also a criminal defense attorney. He's based in Cary. And these were ads sort of attacking him on the kinds of cases that his law firm has taken, sort of trying to portray him as soft on crime. Um, and then uh, sort of in response, the Nickel campaign had an ad out against their opponent, Bo Hines, um, basically looking into his record, doing sort of a background check and finding some speeding tickets on his record and some some sort of traffic citations, driving without uh, driving with a sort of expired tag and putting up sort of a salacious ad that says, you know, um, Bo Hines has faced uh, multiple criminal charges. Um, so we took a look at that fact check. We did a fact check on that ad as well. But basically, you know, it's, it's a bunch of ads about the issues of crime and the legal system. Okay. Well, I'm sure that there'll be more of the flurry of, of the final mailers as people have the funding for it. Um, or maybe they're already in your mailboxes, but we're um, we'll getting pretty close. Whether people, so many people have already voted and it doesn't matter and you're wasting it, but maybe they haven't decided yet. So, which will play into my uh, headliner of the week here in a minute. But um, before we get to that, um, we need to talk about something else, of course, that, that's come up with the news. Yeah, Don, you were at the uh, legislative building this week. You talked to some lawmakers about any sort of uh, legislative response people might expect in the wake of this um, horrific mass shooting that happened in Raleigh last week. Um, can you tell us about that? Will, will we see any changes in gun laws? Probably nothing major anytime soon, really. Um, part of it is that it's the, usually the response of, of Democrats who look to laws as the immediate answer and Republicans generally do not. They'll, they'll, want, they'll mention laws that are already on the books. That's usually the response. So n knowing that was the case, uh, the Democrats held a press conference this week saying, yes, they like mentioned certain laws that they would like to, to change, but also Representative Reeves just said, can we just have a conversation? They just want to talk about solutions um, and, if, you know, some responses, no, we're not because you're just using this tragedy to for, you know, political political gains. So what I wrote about, again, knowing that this plays out after every shooting, Democrats say this, Republicans say that nothing happens. Maybe it does eventually, of course, at the federal level, um, Tillis's gun reform bill and the changes there. It incentivized legislatures to pass red flag laws. Are Republicans interested in this? Doesn't look like it. Maybe, maybe some version if there's work to be done. Uh, Durham Democrat Marsha Moray is uh, really just on, has been on this issue for years. She's a former judge and is, is hoping that there's some sort of common ground there. If you look at a lot of polling of just average people, they, they do support some, some version of this. But as um, Senator Perry, the Kinston Republican, told me this week, the doubles and the details, that's the same thing that Senate Leader Berger has told me in the past. So what I want to do was look at, is there any common ground like that can actually definitely happen? And it looks like the, the biggest chance of something, <clears throat> excuse me, happening would be a gun safety storage bill from Representative Hannig. I mentioned him earlier. I'm sorry, he's Senate, Senator Hannig now. Uh, the Republican, and it's just an awareness campaign. It's no mandate, and Republicans don't like a lot of mandates when it comes to anything related to firearms. And Allison Dahl, the, the Wake County Democrat, is a big supporter of that. And she said, you know, there's this messaging that conservatives think Democrats are coming for your guns. She said that's not the case because she has guns too and doesn't want anyone, um, you know, she wants to keep, be able to keep her firearms as well. So, 
can they all agree that responsible gun owners should like have some sort of an incentivization to safely store those weapons to keep them out of out of the hands of the wrong people? Seems like that's where the common ground is. And if that's like the actual movement that they get, that, that's what we're looking at. So I'm sure there'll be much, much more to come on all of that. Uh, now we, it's time for headliner of the week. Um, kind of so, somewhat on this uh, topic and what's been happening. Avi, um, you want to give us your headliner? Yeah, my headliner for this week is the police officers and the first responders who um, played a role and sort of uh, responded to this terrible shooting that took place here in Raleigh last week. Um, we've learned a lot in the uh, sort of aftermath of this in the, in the following days about the role that they played in um, securing the neighborhood where this shooting took place, keeping residents safe and tracking down the alleged shooter and taking him into custody. And then, of course, over the past week, doing a lot of investigative work to try and figure out what happened. Um, it's been a devastating week for Raleigh, but uh, you know, a lot of our colleagues, we've been covering vigils and other gatherings that took place over the weekend and are continuing uh, memorials this week. And, you know, I just thought it was really heartening to see everyone come together to remember the victims and just mourn as a community. All right. So going back to the other um, action this week with early voting, my, my headliner is the unaffiliated voter. I wrote earlier this year. I'd started writing a story that by the summer, unaffiliated voters would become the largest voting group in the state. Turns out it wasn't even summer yet. It was late spring when it happened. I think it was early May. And so unaffiliated voters doesn't mean they're not Democratic voters or Republican voters or Libertarian or, or Green or whatever. It's just that they don't have to uh, sign up with a party to vote in their primary. So they don't. And that's one of the reasons why that's the case in North Carolina it also is people who maybe don't want to be told what to do by a political party and decide election to election. So that that tiny little margin of people who haven't thought yet is is where people win or lose in North Carolina because we're such an uh, evenly divided political state. So the unaffiliated voter is is my headliner. Uh, Will, uh, what's your headliner this week? Yeah, so we had two big political figures come to Charlotte this week. We had uh, Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina come and give a panel with Ted Budd. We had Cory Booker of New Jersey come and have a rally in Charlotte for Sherry Beasley. And so I'm just curious to see if anyone else, any other big names are going to gonna show up in North Carolina. Obviously, we had uh, former President Trump come, was that two weeks ago, maybe not too long ago for, for Ted Budd. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Duke Professor Kerry Haney told me he wondered if Obama was going to come for Beasley. I haven't heard anything about that, but that would be um, that'd be interesting to see. So I'm just going to keep my eyes out and see if we have any other. Big names swinging through. I remember we were all wondering, like, just these past few years, if Obama would show up. And he, he was certainly in North Carolina a lot when, when he was running. But uh, I don't know if we've seen him seen him since. So who knows? Maybe it'll be the big flurry of everybody. I guess Dave Matthews is coming from Beasley. We'll, we'll see who else comes for, comes for Bud. So, all right. Um, for the News and Observer and the Charlotte Observer and the NC Insider... I'm Don Vaughn with Avi Bajbai and Will Wright. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider, and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.